It is so good to be with you all again in person and good to be with you all worshiping online with us as well. As was mentioned earlier, we are in a sermon series in which we are listening to the prophets. Today I want to read Joel 2, 28 through 29 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of today's message is Spirit Poured Out. Then afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word, help them to hear your word, and Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. The prophet Joel addressed a people that had been devastated by a plague of locusts. The locusts had scorched the land like an invading army, leaving utter destruction in their wake. There was a shortage of grain, wine, and oil. Food insecurity was on the rise. The fig tree was splintered, the vines laid waste, the fields ravaged, and the wheat and barley crops ruined. The animals, for their part, groaned without pasture. Things were grim indeed. But Joel had good news. He promised restoration from the Lord. He said that grain, wine, and oil would be sent to satisfy the people. That animals would have green pastures for grazing. And that fig trees and vines would give their full yield. He said God would pour out rains on the fields to grant ample food supply. In short, God was going to send a blessing to restore the physical well-being of the people amid a national calamity. There was a bonus promise as well. Then afterwards, says Joel, after the rain is poured out on the fields, the Spirit of God would be poured out on the people. The people needed rain for their fields, pasture for their animals, and food for their bodies, but they also needed the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is a life-giving force throughout Holy Scripture. In the beginning, says Genesis, the Spirit hovered over the face of the deep as God created all things and gave life to human beings. In the valley of dry bones, says Ezekiel, the spirit moved to revive the scattered skeletons to new life. And when Christ died and was buried, says Romans, the spirit raised him from the dead. The spirit gives life, vitality, and strength. The spirit brings new life, abundant life, and eternal life. Life, the Spirit connects humanity to our transcendent source. The Spirit connects creation 
to our mighty creator. The Spirit connects believers to our gracious Savior. The Spirit is grain, wine, and oil for the soul. New life is coming, says Joel. New power, new inspiration, and new prophecy. As Bible scholar Peter Craigie notes, this promise was spoken during a time when God's word was rare, when authentic prophecy was hard to come by, when inspired preaching was not easy to find. Just as the devastating drought would give way to abundant rain pouring down, so the drought of God's word would give way to abundant outpouring of God's spirit. God promises in verse 27 to be in the midst of Israel, to dwell with the people. And here is how it would happen. Through the pouring out of God's spirit. The language of pouring out evokes the fullness of the spirit being showered upon the people. It would not be a drip of the spirit. It would not be a drop of the spirit. It would not be a drizzle of the spirit. It would be a downpour of the spirit. It would be the spiritual equivalent of one of these summer thunder showers that soaks everything in its path. Not only would the Spirit pour down like a thunder shower, the Spirit would blow like wind as well. The Hebrew word for Spirit is ruach, which can also be rendered wind. If you want to know what the Spirit of God is like, it's like a mighty wind that upends the order of things with God's untamed presence. When we come to worship, Perhaps the opening announcement should be, y'all hold on to your hats. Author Annie Dillard says we should all be wearing crash helmets to church. Last year, you may remember, we tried to have a couple of well-organized outdoor worship services on Easter Sunday morning. At that time in the pandemic, we figured worshiping outside would be safer so we set up a stage out in the sanctuary courtyard and put some microphones and musical instruments on it we arranged a beautiful array of easter lilies on the steps as a backdrop we printed worship bulletins to distribute and we put out masks so they'd be available to anybody who needed them we were careful to set everything up just right on the holiest sunday of the year then the wind started blowing out there a box of masks blew clear off the welcome table. Worship bulletins were flying everywhere. As worshipers arrived, I remember vividly, I was running around all over the place trying to gather up these papers that had been scattered all over the lawn. During the service, I was partway through my sermon in the middle of the sermon when a gust of wind blew over a mic stand, sending it crashing onto the concrete below. Before long, the wind had blown over several of the beautiful lilies left and right. They were falling all over each other in the backdrop area. And then the wind blew someone's music clear off their music stand. The wind made a mess of our Easter setup. Perhaps it was there to remind us who is really in charge. The Spirit blows where it chooses, says Jesus, reminding us that we are not in control 
that we are not arbiters of divine presence, that we are not manufacturers of divine power, and that the active, effective presence of God cannot be predicted or restricted by anybody. The Spirit tends to subvert our stable conventions by doing something new, something surprising, something different, something messier than we would have devised with our human machinations. You see, we like for God to work in certain ways, to show up in certain places, and to speak through certain people. We like for God to follow precedent. We like for God to be on schedule. We like for God to conform to our assumptions. We like to draw lines delineating where God moves and where God doesn't, how God moves and how God doesn't, when God moves and when God doesn't, and who God uses and who God doesn't. But then the Holy Spirit shows up and confounds our expectations, cancels our presuppositions, crosses over the lines we have so carefully drawn, and challenges us to stretch our faith a bit wider. Trying to control the spirit is like trying to hold a river in a bathtub. Trying to control the spirit is like trying to keep kudzu on a trellis. <laughs> trying to control the spirit is like trying to get a bison to play fetch or roll over or something. The spirit cannot be managed or manipulated. The spirit cannot be restrained or regulated. Joel declares that God will pour out the spirit on all flesh. Not a little flesh, not some flesh, not most flesh, but all flesh. Bible scholar Douglas Stewart calls this the democratization of the spirit. This is a stunning revelation from Joel because previously in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came only upon certain individuals here and there. The Spirit came upon Balaam the prophet in Numbers 24, and he uttered an oracle. The Spirit came upon Samson the judge in Judges 14, and he showed great strength. The Spirit came upon David the king in 1 Samuel 16, and he ruled the people. But a time would come, says Joel, when the Spirit would be poured out not on certain individuals of high rank, not just here and there, but on all flesh. It was no empty promise either. Joel's prophecy was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit came upon the church at Pentecost. The early believers were all gathered in one place when the sound of a mighty wind arose and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. Therefore, Joel's ancient prophecy is now a present reality. The Spirit of God, God's untamed and unrestrained presence and power is poured out on all believers. We never know who the Spirit might inspire to speak or to lead, or to execute some godly ministry. No believer is ineligible to be used and infused by the Spirit of God. 
Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, says Joel. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves, I will pour out my spirit. I sure am glad Joel got his book published because he couldn't have held down the pastorate for more than a couple of months. None of these prophets could have. They were always making wild pronouncements that destabilized rigid religion. Wait just a minute, Joel. I can hear somebody saying at the door after the service, the Spirit cannot inspire women to prophesy because God wants men in charge. The Spirit cannot speak through young people because they don't have enough experience. The Spirit can't speak through older folks because they're too set in their ways. And the Spirit can't speak through slaves because they don't have enough status. Wrong, 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 says Joel. The Spirit is poured out on all flesh, all God's people, leaving no believer unqualified for the Spirit's inspiration. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. It sounds like the Spirit inspires prophetic speech from both men and women. I remember the first time I ever heard a woman preach. Things were going along as usual in the church I grew up in during a Sunday service when from my perch up in the balcony, I heard a different voice reading the gospel lesson and beginning to preach the sermon. I looked down there behind the pulpit and saw a woman standing there. She preached a good sermon too, one of the best I had ever heard. It was clear that the Spirit had inspired her to preach God's Word. The Spirit does not discriminate on the basis of gender. Even on the male and female slaves, I will pour out my Spirit. Sounds like the Spirit inspires prophetic speech from persons without status. A few years ago, a story came out about a homeless man in Oakland named Vincent Panizzo. Panizzo preached on the same street corner every night at 10.30 p.m. Sometimes he would have as many as 50 in his congregation. He preaches and ministers the gospel because, as he says, I have to be obedient to God. I can't be otherwise. His spirit is already in me. Yes, indeed. The spirit does not discriminate on the basis of social status. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Sounds like the Spirit inspires both senior citizens and young people. In Scripture, visions and dreams are modes of receiving divine revelation. The idea is that all the insight necessary to apprehend and proclaim the Word of God is given to people of various ages. A while back, I was visiting with a couple of senior adults, both longtime Christians, both devout church women. They were telling me how they wanted to be active in serving the church and reaching out to the community. One of them, who was 82 years old, said to me, We don't want to be entertained, we want to minister. God inspires young believers as well. At one church I served, the youth minister asked if he could bring the youth group to the church business meeting one Wednesday night so that the teenagers could learn about church business meetings and how they're a part of church life. 
I said, sure, bring them. After all, many of the teenagers had been baptized and were voting members of the congregation just like anybody else. When the teenagers walked into the fellowship hall at the beginning of the business meeting, the whole atmosphere in the room shifted. Early in the meeting, when the chair of the finance committee finished his financial report, the teenagers clapped. They gave him a round of applause at business meeting on his way back to his seat. Everybody else was kind of slow clapping their way in, you know, are we clapping at business meetings now, I guess, okay, you know. And then the next committee chair, I think it was the audit committee, gave the report, and when that person got done, round of applause, you know. The maintenance committee chair finishes, he sits down to a rousing round of applause. It was like a pep rally in there. When the moderator called for a motion, I remember one of our high schoolers toward the back raised his hand and said, I'm getting my name in the church minutes. And sure enough, he did. And then there arose a competition among several of them to see who could second the motions and get their names in the official minutes of the church. Church business meetings, I've been to a lot of them as a pastor. At their very best, they're boring and perfunctory. At their worst, they can be incredibly negative and contentious, even divisive. But one thing church business meetings are not supposed to be is fun. Everybody knows that. Yet the young people at this particular business meeting radiated joy and enthusiasm and laughter and positivity and encouragement. The meeting felt different, less predictable, less controlled, happier and messier. It felt like a fresh wind was blowing through the fellowship hall, rearranging things, lifting our sails and sanctifying the space with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not discriminate on the basis of age. According to Joel, the Spirit is not inhibited by demographic divisions. The Spirit breaks through society's categories undermining and overruling our preconceived ideas about who can speak God's word, who can lead God's people, and who can channel the power of the Almighty. We cannot doubt anybody's spiritual capacity based on gender, age, social class, or the like, for if we do, we are sure to miss out on the full work of God's Spirit. Joel's prophecy calls us to listen to believers of different ages genders, statuses, and so on, so that we can hear the Spirit speaking and sense the Spirit moving. The conviction that the Spirit can use any believer also prohibits us from discounting ourselves as potential conduits of God's life-giving power. The biblical fact that the Spirit can use any believer means that the Spirit can use you. One day, years ago, when I was pastoring in North Carolina, a friend in High Point, Pastor Johnson, asked me to come down and preach an evening revival service on short notice because someone had canceled on him. I had never been to High Point before. I had never been to this particular church before. And it was an African-American congregation making it a different context than I was used to preaching in on a normal Sunday morning. When I walked into the sanctuary and took my seat on the platform, I became anxious about whether I had anything to offer this dynamic 
congregation in front of me. I don't know if he saw the crisis of confidence on my face or if he sensed that my nervousness was increasing and my faith was decreasing, but for whatever reason, my friend Pastor Johnson leaned over and he said to me, just let him use you. Just let him use you. So I did. I put aside my self-doubt and tried to just let the Spirit use me. And the Spirit did. That's what I would leave you with today from the book of Joel. The Spirit of God has been poured out upon you individually and collectively. Now just let the Spirit use you. Even as you celebrate others, the Spirit is using too. Let the Spirit use you to speak the Word of God. Let the Spirit use you to encourage somebody. Let the Spirit use you to radiate gospel joy. Let the Spirit use you to strengthen fellow Christians. Let the Spirit use you to reach out to non-Christians. Let the Spirit use you at home. Let the Spirit use you at church. Let the Spirit use you at school. Let the Spirit use you at work. Let the Spirit use you in the neighborhoods and on the streets of the city. Let the Spirit use you. Just Hoist up your faith like a sail and let the wind of the Spirit blow you around to wherever God wants you to go so you can do whatever God wants you to do. Just let the Spirit use you. Just let the Spirit use you. Just let the Spirit use you. Amen.